What will the next three months for the Arizona Cardinals look like? I'm going to talk about it in depth with somebody a lot smarter than me. You are locked on Cardinals. Your daily Arizona Cardinals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Follow the podcast at Locked On AZ Cards. Thanks for making Locked On Cardinals your first listen each and every day, free and available on all platforms. I've called the Arizona Cardinals a startup. I've said DeAndre Hopkins should go nowhere besides State Farm Stadium, and I'm having an existential crisis on if the Cardinals should stick and pick at three or if they get a sweetheart deal to trade down and look at overloading the 2024 draft and kind of see with Kyler Murray being out for 2023 – um, in, in some form or fashion, if it's best to punt. Um, I'm sick of hearing myself talk, so I thought I'd bring on a, a guest, somebody who works over at um, two entities that are well-respected in the space, both pro football focus and a contributor to Over the Cap, Brad Spielberger. Um, dude, thanks so much for joining me, first off. I appreciate it. Uh, I feel like – so Brad has been on every – Locked on podcast at this point, hockey, you know, locked on HB, everything. I mean, <laughs> he's making his rounds. Um, please follow him at PFF underscore Brad on Twitter. Another uh, pro football focus, brother. We love pro football focus over here. So thank you. I, I appreciate it. Now, I, I do want to just jump right into this here. I love getting the national perspective on the Arizona Cardinals. I'm kind of uh, shadowed with negativity at times here or what's looked to be when I kind of deem it as, well, look, it's right in front of your face. Tell me what you think about the past regime of Steve Kime and Cliff Kingsbury as we transition into something that's literally never happened before in the NFL as it pertains to a coaching staff. I will have some pauses maybe at the end, but I'd be lying if I had a lot of positive to say about the, the prior regime. And I almost think you mentioned kind of a smaller market team and you look at a national perspective. If this was the Giants or the Jets, they'd be the butt of every single joke for the last couple of years for what they've done. Frankly, they, they you know, you make some poor decisions, then chase those poor decisions with more poor decisions, um, you know, trade for veterans or take an off ball linebacker in the first round, top half of the first round, two years in a row. Um, you know, all, we go down the list of things they've done. Sure, they, you know, I think moving on from Josh Rosen and taking Kyler Murray is a move that not a lot of teams would have the, the guts to make it and credit them for doing that. But you look at pretty much every other decision outside of that, and it's kind of hard to find many positives. So, hey, that I said I'd end with some positives. I have heard <laughs> a ton of good things about both Monty Austinfort and Jonathan Gannon. I know last offseason, Monty Austinfort really impressed the Chicago Bears, was a finalist for their GM job, came up just short, but really, really impressed the building. And then for Jonathan Gannon, you talk to people in Philadelphia, they say he's, you know, we all saw the videos, and everyone's making fun of him for that, just like Nick Sirianni got made fun of in Philadelphia. But a big energy guy, a great teacher, a player that Minnesota raves about as well. He used to be, again, used to be in Minnesota as well. I think they may have gotten this right and hopefully can get back on track. Yeah, it's interesting, Brad Spielberger, Pro Football Focus, that one of these first-time head coaches is going to be great. We just we just don't know which one it's going to be. Because remember, kids, every head coach in the NFL was one time a first-time head coach. And it's something that's, you know, because now it's who's the hot one, who's the next Sean McVay? 
who's the next, you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, Taylor, like Zach Taylor, who's the next one? Zach Taylor was looked to be fired after a year or two. Okay. So situations really do, you know, mold what you know is possible. And with Cliff Kingsbury, the issue I had with him is he didn't elevate the talent that he was given. 15 NFL head coaches would have swapped their roster for what the Cardinals had in 2021. And that's something that I had issues with. I lost sleep over my, my hairline has receded two inches. When you look at Jonathan Gannon though, and the gentleman that he he's brought over, all you see are possibilities. And that's the thing that the Arizona Cardinals haven't had because they've been hamstrung with a decision maker who probably should have been fired four years ago after, you know, 2018 and Steve Kime. Tell me, Rawlis, Petzing, Gannon, can this team, with the roster moves necessary, with Monty Osifor coming in, as you mentioned, are they the right guys to take a franchise, perennially losing a franchise, and pivot them into what I've been calling Arizona Cardinals 2.0? I also will say this, you know, I'll be honest. I do not know much about the young 29-year-old defensive coordinator. Need yeah. to learn more about him. But, hey, who cares about the age? We hear that stuff. You know what? It's it's today's NFL. And, frankly, I think to a degree also with a guy like Gannon, look, it's it's Gen Z's world now in the NFL. The players coming in are not the same guys that, you know, have been there in the past. So maybe you're also trying to find the edge of can we manage personalities and manage egos and manage expectations of players that are not the same as they used to be, which is a massive part of this. But I can also say – uh, for Petzing, I heard a lot of good things in Cleveland about him as well. Uh, obviously been around a few spots in his tenure, but I have. I've heard that he is a big reason why Jacoby Brissett was honestly underrated great for 11 games this year before they turned it over to Deshaun Watson. So I do. I think you also, when you add that young foundation, they're not going to be poached in like immediately, especially because I think next year the Cardinals might win, I don't know, two or three games. So. <laughs> Yeah, um, and you know, obviously that's predicated upon when Kyler Murray does come back. But absolutely, that's sure. definitely a possibility. The one thing that I've seen, and 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 correct me if or if you see something different, is I'm seeing the movie Slumdog Millionaire, uh, where it's like every single weakness they now have a recipe for to fix. You know, if, if you haven't seen Slumdog Millionaire, Dev Patel just knows every answer because of a life experience. That's kind of like what we're looking at with the Cardinals, where it's like, oh, your scouting sucks. Cool, check. Oh. Uh, you've held, had Kyler Murray in shotgun for 95% of the plays. Oh, Jonathan Gannett, defensive coach, defensive, defensive backs, defensive-minded head coach, defensive court. Oh, we're going to put Kyler Murray under center. <laughs> like everything. And then you bring Drew Pretzing, what you what you mentioned, which is Kobe Brissett. What do they do best? Play action. It's opening up things the Cardinals really just haven't had. And it seems like that's why I'm getting cautiously excited more than optimistic, excited to see what the hell this is going to be. Because either it's going to be genius or it's going to be an abject disaster. And we just don't know what it's going to be. So I want to get your thoughts about DeAndre Hopkins, about free agency, and about the draft. Because that's really the good stuff. But I really wanted to get your thoughts just from an outsider. really has no ties to the Cardinals whatsoever. You're looking at the run from Philly. And you're seeing Jonathan Gannon come in. Already have some of the best clips we've ever seen, which is like this goofball. Like, who do you think was the best hire? Like, would have been, let me ask this way. Who do you think was the best name, aside from Sean Payton, to get hired this offseason? Like, was Jonathan Gannon an apple of your eye from afar? 
I can also say last year in Houston, he was very close to becoming the head coach. Mm. And there are other teams that have loved him. I was actually, I didn't meet him, but I was actually in Minnesota as an intern, I think when he was still there, right before he left. And they also, like you heard, like you hear these buzz of these young guys that are coming up and they say, this guy's next. He's going to be a head coach, you know, all that, that chatter. But that's been him for a while. And I think the big thing I mentioned before is we talk about teacher, like, when you're trying to teach your players how to analyze things, view things, break things down, it's not easy. Football is an extremely complicated game. And look, he's not perfect, but, you know, number one in e-paper play defense last year, phenomenal against the pass, obviously not great against the run, um, but I think that was also kind of by design to a degree. But I think it's about how you disseminate information. And for me, that ties back again to why in some ways you probably do want these young guys that can keep these younger players' attention and just know how to truly coach up guys that they're closer to an age with. So, look, I, I think Miko Ryan's probably was my favorite like hire of the mm -hmm. cycle. But Gannon, trust me, was not, you know, all these rumors of the Cardinals. No one wanted to go there and bogus. Like Gannon is a legit candidate that a lot of teams really do like. Miko Ryan's the apple of my eye for the last eighteen months, uh, because when you mentioned like he looked like a head coach, like Jonathan, he looked like a head coach on the sidelines. You're like, oh yeah, you guys see this? This is the guy. And unfortunately, you know, he decided to go to a better fit for him for an organization that probably needs him more than the Cardinals do, which is, you know, surprising. Brad Spielberger, Pro Football Focus, Alex Clancy, Locked on Cardinals. As we roll on into free agency, the good stuff, trades, DeAndre Hopkins, Hollywood Brown. Is this team set up to attract maybe some, you know, uh, former Eagles? What is this roster going to look like? I'm going to ask, again, somebody much smarter than myself next. As we roll on, Locked on Cardinals, your team every day. There is one thing that I do know more about than Brad Spielberger, Pro Football Focus. It's Bill Park, okay? I still have my 15 pounds from the holidays. I ate too much. We've talked about this. My red velvet cake obsession is problematic. I fit it in wherever I can around the holidays. And now I need a substitute that's actually good for you. And that's why Bill Bar is so great for me. They're 100% real chocolate covered, okay? Their macros are insane. 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 17 grams of protein, and remember for a long time, for years, we said, go to built.com, order the box. You'll get it in a couple of days. Now you don't have to wait. You can go to Sam's Club. You can go to Walmart, go to Walmart pharmacy section, four bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate or coconut puffs. If you're near Sam's Club, get a 13 bar box of brownie, uh, brownie batter and churro. I mean, you can, you can thank me later. Lockdown Cardinals, uh, follow me on Twitter at Clancy's Corner. Please subscribe. YouTube channel as well. Brad Spielberger, Pro Football Focus, and Over the Cap contributor joining me here. The cap thing is, if I if I needed to take one class, it would be a salary cap class, because there are so many nuances. Who would have thought that nuance that numbers had like emotions? <laughs> like there's so there's just this gray area which is like ninety eight percent of it. Ask the New Orleans Saints how real the salary cap is. With the Cardinals, they have 13 mil. This is still too early for that conversation, so I'm going to have to have Brad on later in the summer for that. But talking about free agency, do you see a James Bradbury? Do you see a Fletcher Cox? Do you see a Brandon Graham following their defensive leader to Arizona? Or are the Cardinals still a little bit stigmatized, you know, as compared to other teams? 
I don't know about stigmatized. I think James Bradbury is a very worthwhile target to bring a veteran into that secondary. And they obviously have good safeties, and Buda Baker is clearly the leader of that team. But a, a good outside cornerback to follow Gannon makes a lot of sense. I think Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham are just going to be Eagles or retire. So it's not that's not an anti-Cardinals thing. But I think they're going to, in a general sense, pick their spots on players like that. Like one or two year stopgap type players. I know this is not fun to hear, but like trying to contend next year is not a good idea for the Arizona Cardinals. And I think they realize that. But it doesn't mean you can't do anything. Um, and then look, I, I think you could honestly get a lot out of Zach Allen if they bring him back. A guy like Draymond Jones in Denver will intrigue him um, a ton. Is that, you know, another kind of 3 4 defensive end that can you can move him around. You can play him at three tech. You can play him on the outside, do different things with. I think Charles Amenahu is also interesting in San Francisco. I just don't think they can pay all the guys they have coming up. Um, and a guy that has played in a lot of different schemes. In Houston, it was a 3 4. In, in San Francisco, more of a 4 3, even front. So, there are all these players that I know Gannon wants to just, you know, deploy in all these creative ways, but I don't think they're going to make a big splash in some of those biggest names, or rather, I think they probably shouldn't, to be honest. Yeah, and I think that's smart. I mean, I, I've said a lot, and I think I think you'd agree with this, that two drafts and two off-seasons, and you go from outhouse to penthouse real quick if you hit. And if Monty Osborne is good as his job, as advertised, and if Jonathan Gannon is the leader of men, as advertised, the Cardinals could be in contention for the NFC West, you know, uh, uh title in 2024 if Kyler Murray is healthy a lot of ifs a lot of circumstances a lot having to do with the draft but the free agency again it's early there's going to be a lot of stuff we're going to find out soon the Cardinals have been dormant uh you know extinct for the first handful of weeks the last couple off seasons and Steve Kime has just traded away draft capital to, to acquire veteran talent Zach Ertz DeAndre Hopkins etc if you're the Arizona Cardinals and I feel like I know where this is going because of everything you led up until this point would you shop DeAndre Hopkins if it meant you would get a late second rounder as the top pick that you get back? Yes, and, and I do think that's probably the best you could do for the top pick in the, in, in the trade package is a late second, maybe tack on a day three pick as well. Um, but yes, and, and I don't even know if I would say they don't have a choice. They obviously could keep him. I don't think it would go particularly well. I, I think he was fairly checked out, wants to be somewhere else. So you try to maximize that return as much as possible. Let him go play on a contender or whatever he wants to do. Um, I would I'll say this, I would be surprised if on April 1st, DeAndre Hopkins is still an Arizona Cardinal. But he was my favorite receiver before he came to Arizona, Brad. Like in Houston, he was on that, on that Andre Johnson trajectory that nobody cared, even though he was the best receiver in football for five years or one of them. And now watching him leave and going to win a Super Bowl somewhere else as a wide receiver one light, like – it's so unfair that Cardinals fans, media members, especially like media members of 30 years have been dealing with this. Like not me. I mean, I've only been doing it 12, so I'm, I'm lucky, but like watching another stud that you're going to root for somewhere else, go somewhere else because Steve Kime was incapable of drafting. Well, I mean, that's really the catalyst for all of this, the inability to draft, not drafting Tristan Wirfs, drafting Isaiah Simmons, not drafting Greg Newsom and drafting Zayvon Collins. Like, and that was just the beginning. They haven't drafted an offensive lineman in the first round since 2015. So it's like watching DeAndre Hopkins leave is going to rip my heart out as a football fan, not as a Cardinals fan, not at all. He's going to go somewhere. Now, what I've said, and I mean, tell me no, because you just did, but like, I'm saying contender, late first rounder, bad team or middle rung team, second round, you can't trade him for 60 overall. Like, I feel like that is not because I know the contract is big. They're going to have to restructure. But you really think that that's what this is worth or that's just what the market's going to bear? 
yeah, I mean, the comp for me is is the Julio Jones trade, right? He's a year younger than Julio Jones, but missed time in 2021, obviously. The suspension, the first six games this year, and Julio went for a two and a four with a six attached to Julio. So I think you get a two and a five with no picks going back type of thing. I know it sounds depressing. I get that. I will say, if he doesn't need or demand a new contract, maybe you do get more. It's not about the restructure. It's about if he wants another new deal. Um, mm -hmm. And then... Just like Arizona bringing him in on one of the greatest trades of all time, um, you know, you, you can get maybe better value if you don't have to give him that new deal, the new team. But I know I'm sorry to break your heart. I, I just I think that is the direction we're going. Do you think Hollywood Brown deserves 90 million guaranteed after this year? Say he performs exactly the same and like say it's like, you know, uh, you're going to prorate it with Kyler Murray out. Like so say he was up for a contract this year based on last year before he got hurt. Does he deserve Debo Samuel? DK Metcalf uh, money, like AJ Brown money that, cause he, he shares an agent with all of those guys. I don't think he's on that, uh, on that caliber. I will say when, when Hopkins was out and he was the main focal point, he was like top 10 in targets, receptions, doing a lot of good things. Obviously the great chemistry with Kyler Murray. Also so unfortunate. We got zero basically snaps of Brown Hopkins Ertz. Like they never got to play Rondell Moore would have been a lot of fun to see all those guys play together. But um. I don't know if, if he's on that level. I would put him more in the, like, give him a Christian Kirk plus, give him a Deontay Johnson plus, like, 19, 20 million in that range. I do think he is a really, really good player. Um, I didn't hate that trade as much. I didn't love it, but I didn't hate it. But, you know, once the contract comes, then we'll see. Obviously, he has a ton of leverage getting moved for a first-round pick. But, no, he's not in that 22, 23, 24 per year conversation. Would he garner a first-round pick, late first-round pick? If the Cardinals were to shop him, like I put it out hypothetically, like this is hypothetical time. Like I put it out hypothetically, like would he garner a, a late first round pick? So what was it? It was 25, but then you got him and a hundred back. So mm -hmm. I, I don't know. I, 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 no, <laughs> unless yeah. you're giving back, like, you know, him and a, him and a second for a first, I guess. But you know, that's not obviously not saying he's garnering a first round pick. Fair enough. Brad Spielberger, pro football focus over the cap contributor joining me here. Locked on Cardinals, your team every day. Uh, Draft next, I mean, blind trust is the dictionary definition of Cardinals fans looking at Monty Austin for it. It's like, anybody but Steve Keim, let's hope it works. We're going to dive deep. Should the Cardinals trade back? Do they stick and pick? Is Will Anderson better than an unnamed Texas Tech edge rusher that's getting more looks than he was 48 hours ago? This is going to be a wild draft season for the Cardinals. I will pick Brad's brain next, Locked on Cardinals. If you think that you could be a great NFL GM, well, you probably never will be one in your lifetime. But that doesn't mean that you can't act out those dreams with Ultimate Football GM. This episode of Locked on Cardinals is brought to you by Ultimate Football GM. You've heard me talk about this mobile app for a while. I can't tell, tell you how much fun I had. Uh competing with my other locked on NFL host, Chris Carter, uh, locked on Steelers one, that rascal. Uh, he was just better at it than everybody else. It's your turn to compete now. Okay. I'll talk about that later. Ever dreamed of becoming an NFL GM and managing football franchise. You can do it. Ultimate football GM. You're responsible for controlling the destiny of your franchise by hiring the right coaches and coordinators, trading players, navigating your franchise through free agency and the draft and all the ups and downs of a season. All this in a challenging and realistic game world. And Ultimate Football GM is completely free, playable offline, play on the go as you want and when you want to. We've created Locked On League for you to compete against, Locked On fans all over the world. Can you be the ultimate Locked On Football GM? 
choose locked on choose a locked on league in the app to join can you create a football dynasty that's the question man locked on cardinals listeners get a 100 free boost to their franchise when using the promo code locked on in all caps in the game store that's locked on all caps so make sure to check it out today download the game just visit ultimate dash gm.com or look it up on the app stores that's ultimate dash gm.com ultimate football gm start your dynasty right now i mean it's like christmas is coming but you don't know if your flight's gonna get canceled to fly home like that's where the cardinals are with the draft it's like it's gonna be so fun if it's gonna be so great if the trajectory for this organization is going like there, it's going to shatter the ceiling. If Brad Spielberg, Brad Spielberger, uh, pro football focus joining me here. Um, Cardinals have three. They've got their full slate of picks. They've got, I think at least one, uh, one compensatory pick in the third round. Like they, this is the first time in a long time they have meaningful picks and this is a don't screw it up. Now I'm going to ask you first, before we dive into Will Anderson and other names that could go at number three, Jalen Carter. If you're the Cardinals and you get offered, especially with Anthony Richardson skyrocketing seemingly up draft boards where we could legitimately be looking at a situation where the Cardinals could be drafting fourth or fifth and still get Will Anderson, Jalen Carter, whoever they want. If you're the Cardinals, you get offered a first round pick for 2024 to move down, say six or seven slots to like eight or nine. Would you take that if you're the Cardinals thinking that Will Anderson, Jalen Carter are going to be gone at that point? You look historically, the most recent example, the, the Jets go from six to three to get Sam Darnold. They gave three second round picks to the Indianapolis Colts to do that. So, I mean, you're getting more than a future first. Let's say, you know, the Panthers at nine want to trip the three as the kind of, let's say that's the basement. That's the furthest you would go. Maybe Atlanta at eight, whatever, Raiders at seven. I think you have to. I honestly do. Look, I, I, I am a Bears fan, so I, I know how good Jalen Carter and Will Anderson are. I've been watching their tape for about a month, month straight now. And, and I, you, we fall into this trap of generational prospect and all those things, and I get that. And I do think they are better than the unnamed Texas Tech edge rusher we'll get into. Um, <laughs> but you just have to take those extra shots. I mean, if you get that much meaningful extra capital, a 2024 first um, you know, would potentially go a very long way. Um, and I think it is realistic. I think we're going to see a lot of phone calls to number three. Just a question of whether they want to, you know, take maybe the first defensive player available if it goes, you know, someone trades up to Chicago, then Houston, and then them. Um, it's going to be enticing, but but I think they probably should. Yeah, it's interesting because you look at what's happened with Miami since they traded back with San Francisco trading up to get um, Trey Lance. They got two future first. They move back. You know, they move back. They're still in the top 10. And they've turned that into a powerhouse offense. You know, they, they drafted Jalen Waddle that year. They traded for Tyree Kill. It's, you don't have to keep the future draft picks that you obtain. You could trade for talent. Now, I know that that is PTSD for Cardinals fans because that's exactly what's been happening over the last five or seven years. But I think you're right. And it's this is going to be a tug of war. And, and using the term again, an existential tug of war where it's like, just pick a set and forget. Damn it. Just do it one time. Make it easy. But if they get offered a first-round pick plus to move back four or five spots, it's like the Cardinals have – the way that I look at it is the Cardinals have so many needs that it doesn't matter. IDL, edge, whatever. Draft a corner. That's Jonathan Gannon's background. You know, that's his extensive background. It is it, DB. So it's like, why would you do that? So you, Brad Spielberg, stamp of approval, trade back because they're going to get offers, right? I mean, they'll get offers. 
would be surprised if they don't, and and I really would. Yeah, I mean that's how you build that entire roster, uh, not just you know fix one spot. I do get you saying the PTSD. Uh, look, it's not gonna, it can't be worse than Steve Kime. It literally cannot be worse. So yeah. so you know take that solace. Um, I would. They are. I think they're four offensive line spots away at this point with some injuries and some players getting older. Uh, you mentioned the the entire defensive line, both corner spots. You know, if, unless Byron Murphy does not come back, yeah, I I, I would. What a mess. But this is rock bottom. And that's great. That's a good feeling. You know, it really, you know, it's like, it's not, the ties have been cut. Now we build. Now we mend. Right? And that's what rock bottom is. I mean, and going back really quick. I mean, Tyler Linderbaum just staring them in the face last year. That's what bothered me. Was that he's there. He's, you're, you're all pro for 15 years is there. And they just said, nope, we're good. We're going to fly him out. Marquise, 5'8". Perfect. Um, Trade back, cool. Okay, so so let's let's look at that second range because you know about Will Anderson. Well, I'll talk about Tyree Wilson in a second, but like I say that jokingly because if the Cardinals do move back, there's a different bucket of players that they're going to be looking at. Now, tell me about those, like five to ten, five to twelve projected. I think the big one you mentioned corner. I think Devin Witherspoon at Illinois is a potential like JC Horn, Patrick Sertan type of immediate impact. Number one outside corner. The guy absolutely lays people out and run defense as well. He's not just a great coverage corner. He wants to murder you on every single snap. <laughs> like he's a guy you get excited about. I do think Tyree Wilson's interesting. Another really, really good cover corner. Not as physical, but I mean, the most fluid hips you've ever seen in your entire life uh, is Christian Gonzalez at Oregon. So if you want to go that route and get Gannon his guy, I think all those dudes make sense. And then, like we talked about, I mean, if you're in the Pete Skaronsky range, the tackle from Northwestern that, look, might be a guard. But, hey, again, you're talking about Tyler Linderbaum. Sure, center's not a premium position, but Skaronsky could be a 10-year starter at left guard. Like, And if you trade back at extra ammo, that's and that's the worst-case scenario as opposed to maybe he is a starting tackle. Uh, I think all those guys make a ton of sense. And there is – you'll see defensive line guys talked about, Brian Breesey. Um, Miles My- Murphy, like there's a bunch of players that are there. They're not in that upper, you know, echelon elite category, but I mean, they're good players. And again, like there's no guarantees in the NFL draft. There are no sure things, even as much as we want there to be that there really aren't. Yeah. And that's always a fun little wrinkle to throw into any conversation. You have no idea what's going to happen. I love that. Cause it's true. I mean, it's like, and then, but it begs the question, like after that top elite non-quarterback group, that bucket of two or three guys. Should the Cardinals trade back twice? Like, is there really a second B-plus level bucket there to where it would warrant them picking at eight that they couldn't get at 15? And I know it's very, you know, that's a that spectrum is broad to, to answer that question. But, like, it seems like this is a deep draft, has very one percenter non-quarterback guys, and then everybody else in the first round. I mean, is that is that accurate? Is there... No, I think it's fair to a degree. And like you're saying, yeah, the range from 8 to 15 historically is also like, you know, I've done research on the draft, stuff like that. Historically, is there's almost no difference. Like, it's there is that upper echelon of like a couple dudes. Again, non-quarterbacks, obviously kind of a different conversation. Right. Um, and, and then things level out. So here's a scenario I would say where you would do that. Let's say you're sitting at three. Let's say the Panthers call you at nine because they want to come up to get CJ Stroud at three. All right, fine. Done. Deal done. You're sitting at nine and Anthony Richardson is still on the board and some team calls. And it's funny because like, so I actually did a whole like a draft analysis on like trades and everything. Somehow the teams figure out if you're calling up for a quarterback, it, it clearly they know because you pay more in a trade up for a quarterback every time as compared to other positions. So 
if a team's calling and they're in love with Anthony Richardson in that middle range, they might you might get another future first round pick. Uh, you know, going from nine to fifteen, maybe not. You get a couple seconds, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's not a crazy idea because there's still you know guys like Paris Johnson. Do you add a receiver at that point if you're gonna trade away DeAndre, or already have traded away DeAndre Hopkins? Because that's where I actually think that the receivers go off the board is more towards the fifteen to thirty two range, not the top half. It's it's a possibility worth entertaining. I love Jordan Addison more than I should. He's not 6'3". The Cardinals drafted Akeem Butler, who I thought was going to be a no-doubt-about-it pro bowler out of Iowa State. Now he's balling out in the XFL, of course. But, <laughs> like, when he just crapped in the NFL, I was shocked. Now, I don't care. Jordan Addison is the apple of my eye and will be. So if he's, he's going to be around at 15. The Cardinals do trade back. Do it. I don't care. Get weird. Now, I do want – we got two minutes left, okay, before I get yelled at for going too long. Not by you, by Ross Jackson, Locked on Saints. He's, I'm just kidding. He's a nice guy. So, Isaiah Simmons, tell me what the Cardinals need to do to not make Hassan Reddick part two happen. I think it's gotten a little bit better. I mean, you got to stop putting him in man coverage on tight ends and number three yeah. receivers and, and asking him to do things that do not suit his skill set. I, I don't know if he's an every down, just like pure edge like Reddick. But I think you do need to have him playing forward a lot more than playing backward. And I, like I said, I think they started to realize that. Um, but again, that's a guy where Jonathan Gannon, like if you want to pick a coach, a head coach in this cycle that could put their hands on that guy and figure out a role for him, he might be the answer to that question. So, yeah, long answer short or simple answer, just, just play forward. Let him get after the quarterback some. Let him do things near the line of scrimmage. I just don't like him playing like a pseudo safety role. It just doesn't make a lot of sense. See Brad or agrees corner or whatever, you know. <laughs> Brad agrees with me. See quarterback, hit quarterback. 6'3", 245, sub 4'5". Maybe it's not his traditional position. Make it his traditional position. He can make a whole lot of cheese. And the second you can exercise his fifth-year option, do it. Do it yesterday because you need that extra year to really understand what you've got, something they obviously didn't do with Hassan Reddick, and now Hassan Reddick is uh, making Super Bowls. Brad Spielberger, at PFF underscore Brad. Dude, thank you so much for joining me. Where can people find you outside of of pro football focus with your vast, you know, just content on YouTube, etc. Where can people find you? First, thanks for having me. And the big thing is overthecap.com. If you want any questions answered about salary cap contracts, whatever, um, I, I still contribute there. We do a ton of work there. I mentioned draft stuff. We created our own draft trade chart. All sorts of cool things going on over there. So um, that that's where you can find me as well. Tell Trevor Sikkim I have a new favorite over at Pro Football Focus. Tell him I will let him know expeditiously. <laughs> Alex Mancy, locked on Cardinals. I'll talk to you all tomorrow.